Welcome to the Key of Life podcast, a show where we explore the limitless creative potential that exists within our human life, from birth to death, ancestry, and everything in between. Every human holds a key that opens a door of possibility to create, sustain, and transform within ourselves and with others. When we share our keys, we create deeper access to the keys within ourselves and open the doors of remembrance within others. I'm your gatekeeper and guide, Nanadua L. Hog. Let's open the door together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Key of Life podcast. Today, we have Kelsey Hitch, who is an amazing radical woman who I met firstly while I was doing the RBK school. She was in the same business breakout as me, and she's just such an amazing, like, fiery, lovely woman who is just full of passion and her work in the world right now is specifically branched into the world of sexual assault recovery. So we're going to discuss a little bit about that today and a little bit about Kelsey and her story and do some like fun conversation stuff. Yeah. So welcome, Kelsey. How are you? Thank you, Ninaru. I'm I'm great. I'm really glad to be here talking about this with you. This is my passion that I talk about all the time, even when most people don't want to hear about it. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for asking me to talk about my favorite subject. Mm-hmm. Definitely um, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My sexual assault recovery work has been ongoing my whole life. I was assaulted as a child and I started right away to, you know, realize the implications of that and live with it as so many women do, if not all women, knowing the reality of sex-based oppression that we're all living in. You know, we're all dealing with it to a degree. So I grew up with this awareness that, you know, something was wrong and needed to be handled by me and me only. It was in me. And so um, as I grew into an adult, I I realized that I needed to take that message forward to women. And and that's what I'm doing now with my course that I'm offering and as a radical birth keeper. And today, yeah, telling you what I'm up to and what I'm doing this for, it's like, it's, it's all about helping women to face the reality, face the reality of what we're living in in global female oppression and how we do have a sex-based violence happening against women all over the world and how that manifests in all of our lives and how we can handle it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for even mentioning that um, your sexual assault happened as you were a child. Uh, same for me. Same for me. And recently I've been like cracking open into that, that egg of a world and just speaking with other close family members about what had happened and realizing that it's painted out as something that is uncommon. Like it's a rare thing to occur when it's absolutely not rare. Like this is something that is experienced by almost all women. And that's fucked up like that's fucked and it needs to stop which is why I think this conversation is so incredibly important and what you're doing is incredibly important as well so let's sort of dive into a little bit about what you do 
and how you approach um, recovering from sexual assault in your own world. Okay, so um, it really does start with with what you were just saying, which is that people want to act like this is uncommon, right? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to you. That's so horrible. You know, it's like, yeah, of course, it is horrible. And it's not weird. It's not, it's not odd or exceptional. It's super normal. And so um, talking about it should also be normal. But it's not. Like I said in the beginning, you, talk, you start talking about this kind of thing, people get awkward fast, mm-hmm. really. So thank you for mentioning, you know, what you lived through as well. And, um, and the way that I approach it is from a radical responsibility perspective. It took me a long time to get to that point because victimization is so real. Yeah. Right? Like the things that happened to me as a little girl, I was a little girl. Yeah. I had someone tell me once, it was a boyfriend, said, well, why didn't you just stab him then? Whoa. And um, I said, I, I was seven. I was seven. It was my dad. I didn't know what I did. You know, and of course, so of course, that paints the reality of victimization in that case that little little children and women and so much vulnerability that goes into womanhood come into play and um, that's that's real we need to acknowledge that first so um, I really balked at radical responsibility and taking that approach in the beginning and um, it was Emily Saldea that helped me to see a way around that and um, And it starts really with acknowledging, yeah, go ahead and be a victim. Go ahead and be in that victimization and acknowledge something was done to me. There was nothing I could do. I Mm -hmm. was helpless in that moment. And so um, that's where it starts. That's the first step was for me. And that's that's what I base my my course on and my work on is is what I what my recovery path has been. So um, so starting there with the reality of victimization, we have, oh, okay, so what happens in that is as a victim, Serendipity Day speaks super beautifully about this, and and she says that we, um, we get confused, that confusion is a symptom of victimization, that when women are experiencing this or displaying this, this like, oh, I don't know what to do, I, I'm helpless, that is a symptom of being victimized. Mm-hmm. And so when there's a lack of justice, as she puts it repeatedly in your life, you tend to feel, women tend to come up with this feeling of, I'm confused, I don't know what to do, I don't know what's wrong. And um, and there's, yeah. there's deeper roots in feminist uh, thinking of that as well, with Andrea Dworkin talking about how women are bewildered. Um, being bewildered because we are alienated from the human freedom that that we all want that we all have have a birthright to mm-hmm. i'm like getting um, chills as you're speaking oh i'm a little i get so um yeah excited to talk about this too and this is what i i spend a lot of time studying and the book intercourse by andrea dworkin i i read through this and it's just like speaking directly it's like it's coming from me and to me. It's so validating because she mm-hmm. talks about how um, women cannot remember or manifest the physical reality of freedom. 
Yeah. Right. Like we are in this position of oppression. We we've got um, six women being murdered every single hour around the world. It's like 5.7. You know, it's like murder, death. It's happening all the time. That's a real statistic. That's a real thing that's mm-hmm. happened. These real women, real lives being lost. Um, that is just one of the of the so many symptoms of it. Women in birth. Women yeah. in birth are most of the time uh, having medical interventions that are unnecessary, unwanted, mm-hmm. uh, dangerous. It manifests all over our lives. These statistics, or I keep saying statistics, but it's not. It's women. It's real. They're real yeah. people. So yeah. um, never mind about that word. But children who are being in the getting in the sex industry most of them are females you know mm-hmm. it's like this is a very sex-based thing and it's a very um it's a it's a thing that affects all of us yeah and so um that confusion and that bewilderment and that alienation from human freedom that's the um that's where we find ourselves and it's uh, an i've come to think of it as an invitation to taking radical responsibility and gosh first for a long time and even to this day I can still feel I can feel the resistance to that inside of me that I'm like oh how dare you how dare you even say anything mm. except for the fact that this woman was victimized she was hurt she didn't have mm. control and and there's not enough there's just not enough blame being placed on the men it's another thing serendipity says is that oh everyone knows she said every the, the saying that everyone knows someone who's been raped but nobody knows a rapist is not true that we exactly. know these men there are bosses there are colleagues mm-hmm. there are mentors she goes on but the point she's making is so true that like yeah right we don't know them we do know them we don't want to admit it yeah you know so mm-hmm. um that that is not said enough and yes say it say it say it and yet that's not going to help a woman who's needing recovery. Yep. And that's where I found myself when I was 25 years old and I had my body was totally breaking down. I was diagnosed with MS. I lost my ability to walk. My eyesight, my eyes crossed. I couldn't see Whoa. for a few months. And this, I, I had a, I had my third daughter. I couldn't even lift her to my chest. My arms wouldn't work. I mean, my whole body was broken down. Mm-hmm. So I came to this point where I had to face it and I was in my body. I was the only one in there. I had to take responsibility yeah. for that. I had to look at it and be like, I was just terrified. <laughs> I was nothing. There's nothing um, like brave about what I did. It's just terrified. I was so at my edge and I saw the like death and I, and I, um, I asked myself, I, what, what, what is it? What's mm-hmm. wrong? What is, yeah. what's causing this? And um, that's when I started to talk about or think about and acknowledge that what my dad had done to me as a little girl, who knows how early it started, but um, that, that had something that had everything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that as it continued into my teen years where I was raped by my father, um, it it continued to affect me and I carried these things with me still, even though I had thought it was okay to say to myself, like, I can put that away. I can, I can forgive him and move on. I don't need to hold on to that. 
mm-hmm. because I had run into this thinking that forgiveness is necessary for our own growth. Yeah. And so I was like trying to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. But but I had skipped a whole st- all the steps we've talked about so far, like yeah. the whole acknowledging victimization um, and then standing in that confusion and then taking responsibility. I, I didn't have any of that going. I was just trying to skip right to like I thought I could just do it by forgiving him. So um, I realized that that was definitely not enough. And I had this strong inquisition with myself, like, what is it? What's wrong? What are you doing? What is it? What can you do differently? Yeah. And so I realized I needed to talk about what had happened and and share that information so that I didn't just walk around with it like nothing wrong had been done to me. Like I deserved justice and I mm-hmm. deserved to be heard and my story was valuable. And um, regardless of what it was for anybody else, I needed to get it out because it was inside of me. Yes. And as long as I kept it in there, it was killing me. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, like it was in, I felt it had, it was overflowing. Like it was mm-hmm. in my emotional realm and it mm-hmm. overflowed onto my body and yep. that's the ms yeah. so my body was broken down because all of this pain and this blockage right had just burst to the seams pushed mm-hmm. into my body and then yeah i had that physical breakdown so that was a yeah that's like what you call a break a, a rock bottom or you know it just came put me cut me to the quick <laughs> yeah got to that point where i was just like now I have to take responsibility. So I really believe, though, that women don't have to get to that point. Of course, yeah. it shows up in a lot of different ways. It shows up in our bodies and a lot of different health uh, exactly. issues, healing crises. And it shows up with in our mental health. It shows For sure. Up, um, in yeah, ways that you wouldn't even think. Because, like, that's what I noticed for myself, too, when you're speaking to, like, I had something inside of me that I needed to just get out of my body through speaking about it. And that's what I feel, like, freed up space inside of me to really, like, hone in on my authentic voice was telling people that, like, this is something that had occurred. Like, Mm -hmm. I'd, like, literally just told my mom last year about what had happened. Like last year, I'm, I feel like I'm going to start crying, <laughs> but last okay. year was like my my moment or like my year of like admitting what had happened to everyone, not everyone in my life, but like to everyone that was close to me more or less in my life. And I feel like exactly what you said, as soon as I had done that, it was like this space inside of my body was just freed up to just be who I was. And I hadn't even thought to conceptualize that like like I knew that like yeah like sexual abuse you know like it plays into like your emotions and your you know like how you feel like especially in your relationships and whatever but I feel like after I'd fully admitted it to like the people closest to me is like I realized the full impact of how much that experience how much I'd allowed it to impact how I show up in the world like in ways that I I didn't even think like in ways of like even friendships and being close to people and like telling them about myself like even the most minor things and I think you mentioned it even perfectly like this um the human freedom like the the taking people away from experiencing human freedom and that's exactly what it is and for me the like reclamation of that 
that experience that had happened to me was that me accessing human freedom again for myself and like I'd already thought that like yeah I'm free you know like I don't believe in xyz thing and blah 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 blah. but like really this thing that I was holding inside of me was like (laughs) the the barrier like the Mm -hmm. barrier to my full experience of human freedom and this is like another reason why I super wanted to have this conversation with you and and talk about it even more because (laughs) this is like real shit and I don't think people like people understand how real it is but I don't think that many people have the full like bodily experience of how real it is to recover and to be free (laughs) in your body (laughs) after all of this stuff after sexual assault and sexual abuse occurs I'm so curious how it looks 15, 20, 30 years from now. And with the work that I'm doing, I'm curious about what kind of what kind of change we can see in recovery patterns going forward, because who would we have been if if that hadn't happened? You know, it's like there's Mm -hmm. this theory or this this thinking that. Oh, I I can't even say it. It's just the the new age concept that like your abuser helped you grow or Mm. something (laughs) and that that's just the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Yep. Because I agree. Every single ounce of growth that you created, (laughs) that's you, that's your strength. And um, no, none of that icky stuff ever had to happen to you to be, to be like you are and as wonderful as you are. And I've heard women say, and I, I, I agree, although it's hard to hear, but, wouldn't we have been better if this hadn't have happened? Mm. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, so, um, yeah, I'm excited to see going forward what kind of freedom women can manifest for, for ourselves, because I agree um, that no, we're, we're not even able to recognize. We're not even able to imagine and let alone manifest that experience of freedom, that physical reality. I mean, we talk about global female oppression and radical responsibility. And it's like, well, what if we take responsibility for the fact that we are oppressed? Mm-hmm. So not because not because we are doing something wrong and we are um, to blame. That's the key is that, no, this doesn't mean that the abusers and the oppressors are not to blame. But it does mean that we have power. Yeah. What it means is we aren't helpless. What it means is that feeling of being bewildered can be temporary and that we can move from that into taking responsibility. And um, even though, no, it wasn't our fault. No, we're not the ones who are to blame for this. We still have power in the moment in in our bodies to say, I can make changes and I can teach my daughters to be different to behave differently than I did and um, and not to take it to that extent of why didn't you stab your abuser when you were seven, which is completely nonsense. Yeah, that's a really fucked up thing to say to someone. <laughs> oh, obviously. Thank you. Yeah. So like, what the hell? But this is this is an opportunity as a as adult women to take responsibility for what we have happening in the world and in our lives and to just yeah radical responsibility like full Mm -hmm. on just do it take take it all 
I want, because I take responsibility for it all because I want to, I want to be in charge of it all in my exactly. life. Exactly. That's, that's been the key for me. Absolutely. And so when women are dealing with these, these things of the, however it's manifesting, whether it's a addiction or a repeated abusive relationships, right? I've had that. It, was, it wasn't just as a child that I dealt with this. I've had repeated abusers in my, that I've partnered with as well. And so, yeah, so when those things are showing up, the, yeah, there's that, there's that opportunity to take that responsibility and, um, and to, and to acknowledge that, yes, something was destroyed and that even that desire for that human freedom had, has, has been destroyed in a sense. And we are very capable of rebuilding that. Yeah, like taking, reclaiming your power back into your body, I think was like, even for myself, it, it just felt like this big taking my my power back from a source I didn't even fully know I was giving it away to. And after that, seeing how I, like you said, like, because I've had similar experiences too, like being in relationships with people who are also abusers, you know, and noticing those, those threads and that in the process of me doing that, I was like re-experiencing that not in the same way, but in like a different way by impacted of what had happened and to where I am now in seeing that in people that want to be in relationship with me, et cetera, even more so like a magnifying glass. And now that I've like released this, this story from my body or like let it be known, it's like it's it allows me to see that even more as a magnifying glass and then choose different for myself. And like in choosing right. different relationships for myself, transforming my life <laughs> completely, uh, transforming right. how I interact with people, the people I interact with even too, and how they show up for me and showing up for me as like a support source and showing up for me as like a clear, pure, like, exchange of energy and, and love, you know? And I think it's all part of that. And <laughs> I feel like I'm going to keep bringing it back to, like, the the experience of human freedom thing. But that is really human freedom, you know? Freedom to be fully you with the people around you. Freedom to be fully you with yourself and feeling like you don't have to hold back you know mm -hmm. yeah right it's <laughs> like we yes yeah and 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 to um be in charge to be in charge of your own experience and to be the one who is able to have the kind of effect on yourself rather than um putting it into the hands of men which mm -hmm. who can have such a such a powerful and oftentimes pleasant impact on us as women it's like our physiology is set up to be impacted by men and yep. so when we when we feel that it can oftentimes lead to this um just kind of a giving in yeah you know and, yep. and 
and teaching women to take responsibility and not and take uh, charge of that ability in ourselves is something I'm passionate about too. To mm-hmm. be able to get in there with yourself and kind of kind of do that to you, you know, like really change to impact your own physiology in such a powerful way that it is on par with the way a man impacts your physiology when he comes up and he looks good and sounds good and smells good and all that. And it's like, oh, I'm feeling that. I feel it in my body. Well, I want to be able to feel changes in my body that are are on par with that. Mm -hmm. And I've developed techniques that allow me to do that, such as um, one of my favorite ones for me is cliff jumping I love Mm -hmm. to just um and I'm not like I'm fearless I'm still scared but I like (laughs) to go I like to find a place where it's safe and like I look and I'm like yep yep I can do this it's totally gonna be safe but it's still so thrilling Mm -hmm. it's still so thrilling for me to be able to stand in my body remind myself that I'm safe I know this is gonna be fine and then jump into the into the water you know it's like whoa what a rush it's so so powerful that it does that to my body it mm-hmm. gives me that rush and it gives me that satisfaction mm-hmm. that um, I would otherwise have been looking for from external sources so it's yeah. like it's the internal or it's the external mm-hmm. and it's am I a, a person of a free person like you were talking about like we keep coming back to <laughs> am I experiencing my full human freedom or Am I just like basically laying in wait for someone to come and and have that impact on me that that I crave? Mm-hmm. Yep. So physiological transformation techniques are a, are a big part of my course. Um, not that everyone has to go and jump off of a cliff. <laughs> we might talk about that. <laughs> um, it's just all about you know that being the navigator. It's it's all about knowing the ways that your body will react on a physiological level, you know, but the little chemicals in your body, the hormones, that cascading um, patterns that are already laid down in your, you know, in your, in your body to just happen once you kind of get them started. That's what I want to, um, that's what the techniques that I teach in the physiological transformation uh, aspect of my course, that's what they're supposed to do to help women Mm -hmm. to embody their embodiment techniques is what they are that's mm-hmm. the word I'm I, I want to throw in there just so many women who work in sexual assault recovery talk about embodiment so really that's what I'm talking about too that's one of the big parts of it yeah and I think that's so important that you have specifically like physiological embodiment too because I'm under the belief and experience of that until you really physically oscillate and feel that transformation happen like you go through it in your body mm-hmm. like that is until you do that you don't you're not fully like you don't you haven't fully met it yet it's like mm-hmm. how I feel about that it's like it's a completely different experience like you're turning on your DNA to now respond in this transformed mm-hmm. way for yourself is how I see oh. that so I think that it's what you're doing is incredibly important with that physiological embodiment I love how you said that (laughs) thank you no really that's like the kind of phrases I I I really appreciate because I think about this stuff a lot and I'm trying to communicate to women you know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and it's just been so powerful for me it's just been such a huge awakening and a growth and and just I'm just so appreciative of the fact that I have the 
I got to have these experiences. So I want to share the things that I've done that have really helped me because you're right until it's in your body and you feel it and you set off that cascade, you're not, you're, you're not feeling it. You're just, it's, it's still kind of external. One of the earliest things I did was um, just kind of just like tapping on my body and saying, this is me. Mm-hmm. One of the earliest things when I was first meeting that, like, look, that's what it is. It's that sexual assault. It's that it's because you were raped. It's because early on this happened, like telling myself this is what it is. Like, and the fear of being in my body. And of course, that's so common. That's absolutely a normal response. The fear of being in your body when you've been sexually assaulted or abused Mm -hmm. is really real because that the body is holding all of those memories. So to be able to kind of reassure myself like, hey, hey, this is me. This is me. Just touching on my body and remembering that I I'm here. I am in charge here. Don't worry. It's you're safe. And just reassuring. And and, um, it's super important that I've done that for myself. Um, I didn't even realize how easy it would be. But as a mom, I learned, you know, sweet words to my children, reassuring words go a long way. And I just learned to do that to myself. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Come on. This is you. You got this, you know, Yeah. we're safe. And, and, and so, um, yes, the physiological aspect of it is huge. When you do even just touching, even just tapping on my body and saying that I am confident that it did set off a physiological response because when you can kind of get through to yourself that way on a, on that chemical level, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm talking about. That's, those are the, those are the um, techniques that I'm talking about. So many things that just what, what get through, they break through that barrier. I want to bring it back to kind of like an original point you were making when we were just starting to dive into this is that our bodies are set off to respond in certain ways to men physiologically like in terms of like being sexually attracted and whatever and I I really love the getting in touch with how the like those sensations like like of excitement and like pleasure and whatever moving through your body like getting in touch with that for yourself to then recognize Mm -hmm. that within yourself so that you're when that does come to you instead of like you like I'm basically rephrasing what you said (laughs) instead of you being sort of like hypnotized into this relationship Mm. that is like Mm. solely based off of the sexual pleasure of a man you're now you know you know how it feels within your body to feel that way and you know then like you break that hypnosis when you're interacting Mm. with men and you can you can see them as like themselves like as who they are and then Choose for yourself if it's a match to then interact with that relationship or not based off of your own knowing of the sensations of your body. And it's really like reclaiming your intuition in a really deep way is the way that I'm I'm oh. seeing that too. Absolutely reclaiming because men, because the nature of our relationship with men where they are literally going inside of us sexually and occupying the inside of our body, it's like it's a this is all Andrea Dworkin's in her book intercourse. She talks about how just the, just intercourse itself, just like what I said, they're inside of us. It's possession. It's, it's an invasion. Mm. And, and that is at the very root of what we're dealing with, with men and women. And so it's, it's a cure. It's a really 
curious uh, topic for me. I'm just, I spent a lot of time reading and thinking about it. And so, yeah, for, for us to be able to step into the role where we are having that effect on ourselves, so mm-hmm. to speak, and we're not getting it from, from just from external sources. Yeah. Yeah. So important to come back to that. And, and really every single one of the, the things that I teach does, does kind of center around that does center around the reality that we have this opportunity to, to step into a role of power that we're not used to stepping into. We're not used to having, we're not used to holding this power for ourselves because it's not how we're raised. And, and the very invasion that takes place with men, yeah, it's alienating to that, to that very desire or that even to be able to recognize what it feels like to be inside that and to have that role, to play that role for yourself. You can lose sight of that. And it, and I definitely can, like, it can feel like an invasion when like we we aren't fully tapped into the way those sensations move within our bodies is ha- like what I'm hearing and getting from what you're saying too. And through experience, you know, is when like choosing, you can choose to, to have something occur as like an invasion and like choose that for yourself because we're, you're like not in alignment with those sensations or those sensations haven't been fully tapped into or you can make it as like instead of it being an invasion you're now interacting with someone who doesn't like yes it's like a filling but it's not like a like a war in like a a feeling of warring if that makes any sense (laughs) oh believe me I I I make sense I I'm not necessarily saying that we shouldn't never enjoy what men can be for us in that role and it can be of course sacred this idea that yeah the coming together and um something i'm as a you know just because of what i've been through i've given a lot of thought to that but i love reading andrea dworkin because she speaks of it in these terms that are so plain and those were her words and i'm talking about you know being alienated from your human freedom yeah and and it really helps me to kind of clearly to clearly see what is what's at stake here what's at play here mm-hmm. and the forces that are going on um and so not to get caught up in in saying like oh there is no good way of interacting with men that's, yeah <laughs> they're they're at yeah that's not that's not at all what I'm getting at, but rather just to say like, yeah, it's tantalizing. And we get, when we do take responsibility for it and we say, I'm the one who, who's wanting this. Yeah. And that means I can change how I receive it and I can change what I'm looking for. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying that now that's a great step. Yeah. And you mentioned there are other aspects of your work with sexual assault recovery. And I know that you do, like self-guided ceremony so can we get into like a little bit about that because when I read about that I was really excited <laughs> to talk Dang, about it yeah oh yeah so uh to me ceremony is something that we are like life is a ceremony mm-hmm. and there is a um there is an opportunity that exists for ceremony in almost every aspect of life 
And what it wants is for us to to really hold hold a space for it, to really say this this moment is not like other moments. This is a special moment mm-hmm. and something I'm doing here is going to have a big impact on everything else and and that's the exact thing we've been talking about as far as taking charge and take stepping into that that role is uh, when you are calling something ceremony you're giving it that power and so self-directed ceremony means you are the authority here Mm. wow you are a spiritual being Mm -hmm. and you know what where the power lies in you Um, my free workbook points of power helps to identify those those parts those things that are inside of you that are going to hold the power for you and that would be great tools for ceremony Mm -hmm. and that's where I started was just identifying what what's meaningful to me Mm -hmm. what's having such a big impact what am I carrying that I have so much tied into so much meaning is tied into uh, a certain object or a certain phrase or an activity Um, I talked about cliff jumping. That's an example for me of an activity of a challenge that was certainly ceremonial for me. And it helped me to really know what I mean with this ceremony stuff is like that cliff jumping, that practice that I did for for years and I still do. But when I was first doing it, it so huge for me. And I realized like those were my earliest. Well, they were my they were my ceremonies Mm -hmm. and I was making a huge impact on my own life by doing them in a way that gave reverence to the act Mm -hmm. and so um and so with what you have in your life and what you have in your body and what's meaningful to you you can do ceremony that is going to make a huge change because it's it's a way of harnessing the power that that you've already you've already invested into these tools and you've already created you've already mm-hmm. created this power and now you're just harnessing it for a ceremony and saying I'm doing it in this way and um, when I do this is what's happening this is it's just really being in that moment being in your presence getting in touch with that stream of consciousness um, and acknowledging what what's meaningful to you. I'm curious what what your response is as well Mm -hmm. and um, I want to bring up the most the Mm -hmm. the most serious uh, object that I came across that helped me in my ceremonies Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge that there are these points of power that are so impactful on us um, is is one that came up you know very casually and over the years I I kept returning to it because it meant something and so those are the ones that are are the most impactful are the ones that you've held the longest Mm -hmm. yeah what was that um what was the object for you if you don't mind sharing (laughs) no I yes thank you my knife Mm -hmm. for me I have inside of me I carry a knife and I say inside of me because it's it's from inside of my heart. I have a place inside of my heart that is so severe and powerful that mm-hmm. 
the energy that comes out of it is knife-like in that it has the ability to open new ways and to defend me in times of danger. Mm -hmm. It has the ability to, I mean, cut through the crap. Yeah. You know, sever me from bonds that are not wanted. Mm. It... It's there for me all the time. It's it's a wonderful thing because it's inside of me and it's um it's just what what comes out of me when I need it the most. Yeah. When I'm really serious, that's where it that's where I go. I go to my knife and it helps me to really um give a just to give a a look in a solid form to mm-hmm to that thing that can be so hard to grasp that yeah. that um, when you're bewildered and you, you don't know where that power is, to be able to grab onto that knife uh, in my mind and say, I have my knife, it's there with me, and with it I can I have this power, I have this ability to defend myself, and I, I get reassurance from it. Um, I feel safer with it. Mm-hmm. I can, yeah, it's it's a something that's different for everybody and yet I think the knife can be valuable for anyone in the sense that it has so many uses and I do also know that women from ancient evidence we we see that women created knives we were the first tool users and we did this to protect ourselves we did it for manipulating our environments for you know getting food Mm -hmm. And um, creating homes and spaces for our babies. And so women own that symbol, that symbol of the knife that I came upon and have carried with me is I just know it comes from deeper and that women created that symbol. It's not just a symbol. I mean, we created it. It's in our minds going back ancient ancestral memory Mm -hmm. we know that we have this power that's what it is it's like your ancestors (laughs) and the power that's inside of you saying like look what you can do yep you can cut yourself away from these dangerous things Mm -hmm. and you can defend yourself if you're in danger and you can yeah dig a hole (laughs) you can like (laughs) do the things that the knife does it's just like such a multi-use tool so i can really find a lot of a lot of meaning in that symbol mm-hmm. and those are really useful for ceremony yeah. um yeah there's a lot of things like that for each woman it's different and as you as you start to do it you'll you'll start to know more what it is for you yeah i think that's so beautiful and i especially love that it's a self i almost said directed but it is self-directed but self-guided ceremony because like you said, you are the authority. Like you are the spiritual authority, the lived authority of your own life. And I think bringing ceremony and ritual into everything is such a reminder of that, that you are the authority. And especially getting in tune and in touch with what you hold in your heart. Like for you, it's a knife. For me, I'd have to like explore that more (laughs) because it's not really coming to me all that much right now but it's symbolism is so incredibly important 
And the thing about symbols is like, and I, I've mentioned this to someone else previously when I was talking about symbolism too, is that you give someone or that symbol the the intention that you want to give it, you know, and and to and thinking about what is the root like purpose of this object of this thing like what does it do you know like thinking of trees you know trees spread their information outward and up and also down and deep into the earth so like what does that symbolize for you in in like the purpose of that that thing and like seeing how that that symbol aligns in your life and is in resonance in your life and what you can get from the symbol and what the symbol can get from like interacting with you is like how I'm really thinking about that. Mm. And Ooh, I love how you brought that into it. <laughs> yeah, it really is like something that's deeply ancestral ceremony and even how different people approach ceremony. And I also want to just make it known too for like the self directed aspect of it all too, is that, you can make ceremony however you want to make it. I think a lot of people think that when they're creating ceremony, it has to be this big elaborate thing because they've seen it like that on Instagram or like YouTube or movies when it's like, no, ceremony can be so simple and so such a basic part of like your life. And it's like you mentioned before, it's bringing that importance into that action that ritual, that ceremony that you're doing for yourself, that is what creates the impact of it and creates that closeness with that like series of things that you're doing for yourself in the ceremony. It's it's very important to me that I was able to find the like steps that are a part of other parts of ceremony. So looking at what ceremony is when you talk about seeing on Instagram and all these things and how it can be really overwhelming Mm -hmm. really each one of these ceremonies really does encompass some main parts yeah you know people are going forward with like starting with cleansing and and moving into focusing Mm -hmm. and having the peak of the ceremony which is a variety of things right and then the last part to really integrate that and to have that ceremony become something that you now walk with yeah, um, and let that power settle into your life, um, it really does have some steps. It really does have some basic, simple steps. Yeah. And so to make it a thing that's inaccessible is such nonsense because mm-hmm. it's so easy to just say, Okay, so first you find a cleansing thing and then you focus and then you you have your peak and then you integrate. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like there are many, many, many options for how to do that. And it's going to be unique to each person. And the more time you can or the more um, real you can be about what's meaningful to you, uh, the better for the power that they're all going to carry. But yeah, those four steps. I mean, we can do this in 10 minutes. We can do it anywhere, mm-hmm. anytime. You can do it without anyone knowing. You can do it with a huge group. It's just like, this just goes any which way you want it. That's what I really love about it. And so to just help uh, help women to take charge of that again, just like, just like the physiological aspect, to really to be able to stand in that ceremony 
um, to th- those that ceremonial knowledge and just know how to do it yeah. to have that power, which is another thing that's totally been taken from us. Um, uh, in the you know patriarchal takeover, and I just don't know as much about that s- the specifics of that history that I as I want to, but there are many women who do, and I have heard enough that I know like yes, looking at matriarchal societies and how they existed in the past and then what kind of oppression was really violently and 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 intentionally carried out against us resulting in what we live in now and what we think of as normal now Mm. it just hasn't always been that way nope and so um yeah between ceremony and the physiological transformation techniques and we talked a little bit about Mm self-mastery self-mastery really is just radical responsibility training in learning actual ways to change the way you you approach each moment um from a perspective that like yeah you're in charge yep and so those three those three aspects are huge and um in my course there those are three of the just the the underlying the tenets right of the all of the everything that i teach is is coming back to those those and also um the sharing of radical feminist education so information that about our histories Mm -hmm. and about what's going on right now and about our bodies and how information that's that's been closed to us Mm -hmm. things that we aren't taught and we don't know how to stand with the knowledge of and and we would be different if we did yep and so yes so those are the four aspects that i brought together for my course and um, they are radical feminist education and physiological transformation and self-mastery and um ceremony yeah self-directed ceremony four pillars yeah the four pillars thank you (laughs) yeah yeah I feel like everything that we discuss is like so incredibly powerful and I love that you're you're being the person to the woman to open up these these things and I hate saying like hidden you know because I don't feel like anything is really hidden I feel like things are just not said so I I love that you're being the woman to presence and say and give back all of these ancestral teachings that are woman derived back to women to then hold that and have that in, inside of their bodies. Cause that's incredibly important. And part of the work that I do in the world is a lot of ancestor work type stuff as well. And I always tell people get in touch with the stories of the, the women in your bloodline, get in touch with the stories of like even the men in your bloodline, like gather your true ancestral family, familial history. Because whatever we're being inundated by with external versions of like, quote unquote, history, whatever, when you start to seek out these stories in your in your bloodline, you'll start to realize that it was it's it was never like what the history books or what the quote-unquote media, whatever, said. You'll get to know the real story of it, and then in knowing the real story of it, you get all of these ancestral wisdom practices, for example, like the ceremony, 
and stuff like that and or even different ways of cooking food or whatever you know like it could be really mundane but I think that's really important and I love seeing that like you're a stand for that as well in your work with sexual assault recovery and giving that to women as well yeah it is absolutely mundane Mm -hmm. period it's just so visceral inside of us basic it's just right it's something that we are all walking with the everything that I'm coming up with is just what I went through it's Mm -hmm. just when I really study at what like what were my points that I really had these breakthroughs and I look at what what I was doing at that time and what brought that on and so I believe that women do heal really naturally and really spontaneously and organically and we know our bodies do this like we're always healing Mm -hmm. that's life and the same is true for sexual assault recovery and that's why these these oppressive ways that we're taught to um, think and speak and behave that's that's why those things are so powerful because they block us from that natural that natural recovery and so it's really like every coach I've ever heard will tell you it's it's about getting out of your own way Mm -hmm. right so um this is what this is what is also true for sexual assault recovery it's just learning that recovery is it's within you yeah and like you say from your ancestors and yeah, you you can't not be in touch with your ancestors. They're right. Here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you are you are, you yeah. are your ancestors, and, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You can't get away from it, and so you also can't get away from this recovery that is it's wanting to happen. It's trying to happen mm-hmm. all the time, and and yeah, you're good for it. It you're up to it. So um. Mm, yeah. Just stepping into that allowing that Mm -hmm. yeah and on that note I'm feeling like very very complete with the combo do you feel complete as well do you have anything to say to like finish it off one thing that I have um Mm -hmm. that I'm facing right now is how much I can tell women uh what I'm seeing as like our complicity Mm -hmm. in our own oppression Mm -hmm. and so just to leave that hanging in the air as far as like First of all, women are very capable of hearing the truth and handling the truth. I'm not trying to to baby us, mm-hmm. right? I'm not trying to be like, oh, I can't say that. I want to be mean. But in reality, you know, there are things I'm, I'm still trying, waiting on and being like, can I talk about, you know, why, why do we... Why do we wear high heels? Mm-hmm. Why do we walk around dressing up mm-hmm. like objects? Mm-hmm. Why are we raising our daughters to think of themselves as decorations first before uh, humans? Free people? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like to really ch- be challenging. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with that right now. It's just like that objectification, that complicity. Yeah, that we do to ourselves. That we, yeah, there's reason for it, but then we are, we're taking it on. Like the the genius of it. Andrea Dworkin says something like the genius of objectification as a method of um, dominance is that it's it gets the woman to take the initiative in her own uh, degradation. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it's like 
just think about that. That's that's like that's all. It's like I'm just thinking about that a lot. Is how how much are women ready to to literally look at that? And and I think yeah, completely, completely. I I want to put that out there absolutely fully. Yeah. Say I trust us. I know that women are up to this. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, let's value integrity, freedom, and um, equality before we value what we are what are the level that we're wanted and desired and mm. visually appealing and approved of mm. so that's yeah yeah thank you for saying that and I think you just said it you guys <laughs> you just said it you know you're you're saying you're wrestling about what whether to say it or not like you just said it so you can continue to say it well, yes <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of that's what I do mm-hmm. that's what it, why this work came to me is that for all my whole life, people have been like, you know, Kelsey, you're kind of tactless. <laughs> you're kind of blunt and like, it's a bit much. Like maybe don't say that. I hear it a lot, but um, yeah, I think women can handle it. I think yeah. we're ready for that. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like life happens regardless, you know? So like you can choose to say it either way. Like whenever something happens in life, we got to face what happens, whether it be someone telling us something mm-hmm. or not. So we're always capable. It's whether or not, like we're ready to really face how much we're capable. The reality of how capable we are is like the way that I'm mm-hmm. seeing that. So, yeah. Yeah. How much? Mm-hmm. How much are you willing to to believe in your capacity? Yeah. And to bring those, bring that together, that willingness and that capacity to bring it together, and just be like, "Yep, here I am, mm-hmm. willing and able." Yeah. And on that willing and able note. I do too believe that we are all willing and able to to do this work. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. It was amazing. It was an absolute joy, Nineru. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Peace, everyone, and see you on the next episode. If you loved what you heard today, please let me know by giving the podcast some love in the reviews, liking, commenting, and sharing with someone you love as well. As always, too, you can connect with me on Instagram at Key of Life Birthkeeper and with any of my guests with their information and details located in the description. Until next time, Ashe.